I don't buy the idea that, you know, the society the way it is right now, it has to be this way. Welcome to Rewrite the Rules with your host, Alex Starr. So many of us choose our path out of fear disguised as practicality. It's time to live life on your own terms. What do you really want? What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 41, part two, with Larry Yatch, Navy SEAL, awesome guy, super cool, great information. Uh, we're really going to delve deep into optimizing personal performance, um, getting through you know, emotional resilience, uh, the grit to achieve success, leveraging your mental toughness, and building uh, good relationships with people, how to kind of navigate those waters. Really interesting guy, uh, Larry was in the SEALs for 10 years um, and now owns a company called Sealed Mindset uh, where he helps people and businesses uh, basically get into the SEAL mindset and uh, optimize their life. So awesome guy to talk to. You guys are going to get a lot out of this. Um, you can check him out at SealedMindset.com and then he actually put together like a free video for my listeners. If you go to smleaders.com slash star, you can check that out for free. So cool that he set that up. Uh, for me and for you guys. So very cool. Anyway, so um, share this podcast if you would. It'd be awesome. That is like the best compliment is when I see people sharing it um, or telling their friends about it, uh, leave a review, all that good stuff. I am going to be pulling the names finally of the two people that are going to receive the Nomadic Mat book, the people that participated in my question on Instagram about where they're going to travel to. Um, there's quite a few responses on there, so I'm going to select two randomly tomorrow out of a hat, and then I will be sending you a copy of that book, um, of Nomadic Matt. So it's all good. You guys enjoy the rest of your week, and I will be here next week with a fresh episode with a 25-year-old CEO named Willie, who's the most positive guy on the fucking planet. So I'm stoked for you guys to hear that one as well. Enjoy this one with Larry, and I will see you guys soon. Um, so talk to me about, you know, you're going to go live on the boat and you're talking about motorcycles and stuff. I'm really curious about, and a lot of what you do is kind of teaching these, uh, like self-reliance and yep. these skills and like in, um, self-defense and training like that. I've always been interested in these hard skills of like, if the apocalypse happened tomorrow, right? Like I want to know medical skills. I want to know tracking skills. I want to know, can you make a splint out of two branches? You know, can you... Can you self-defend, you know, can you do like self-defense, things like that? How, um, I mean, how important is that to you? Like that section of what you do, just the self-reliance skills and like, how important will that be teaching that to your kids as they get older? I think the answer that you're going to get is going to blow you away. Uh, zero, zero okay. importance. Why is that? Because, uh, say the apocalypse happens, the only way you're going to survive is through teaming with others. It's impossible to survive alone. I don't care how good you are, you can't do it. And so in order to survive as a human being, we have to coordinate action with others. Therefore, I believe the most critical skill you could ever have in a situation like that is, is the knowledge on how to lead, how to identify teams, how to build teams, and then how to operate effectively on them and eventually how to lead them. Uh, you know how to do that. You can survive anything. 
Uh, if you know how to make a splint, you can survive if you break your leg, right? Very specific skills versus fundamentally uh, sound uh, and important principles. And that's why vast majority of what we teach now is all about leadership, all about being the best you can be, as well as then being the best on building the best teams and then making those teams to be high, highly high functioning. Well, you're right. I was not expecting that. <laughs> yeah. See, most people wouldn't. And so, you know, if I had to rank what, what comes after, uh, leading, right. Leading, managing, following, I would say, uh, the ability to defend yourself because, right. Uh, being able to know how to defend yourself will enable you to get one, stay safe and also to get resources as needed. So can you, can you, uh, elaborate on, um, you know, just a, if you give your personal synopsis of, you know, the top two traits of what a leader really embodies, cause I have two in my head and I'm curious before I say another thing that you completely reject, <laughs> well, what are your? Well, you two? see, you should got to write these two down so you don't change your mind and try. All right, I'm gonna out. write. I'm gonna write. I'm gonna. I'm gonna write it down. I'm gonna write it down. All right, what are? So you're saying what? Uh, what traits are mm, yeah, like, required for an effective I, leader? I can think of like uh, the few people in my life that I'm like that is a that's the embodiment of a leader, and they shared two or three specific traits that I think is what made them so great. What do you think? So this is somewhere I, this is another thing where, where, you know, if we go through, I could probably go through the whole narrative in five or six minutes, but if we go through the whole narrative, it's another one that's going to turn you upside down, uh, kind of completely rock your world. And I've done this enough times to know that everyone thinks of it the same way. So if you want, I can do the kind of give you the, the five minute synopsis. Lay it on me. Okay. So, uh, in any, any time you have two people that need to coordinate action towards a shared desired end state, right? That's a team. And we have teams that are named unnamed that are official or unofficial, but ultimately if you got two people working towards at least a similar future, uh, they have to coordinate action between themselves. That's a team. And when you think about that, all of a sudden there's a bunch of other teams that we don't really think of that are teams. Uh, a relationship, right? A spousal pair, or boyfriend, girlfriend, boyfriend, boyfriend, whatever you want to, whatever is your, your speed. That's, that's a team. Just like a family's a team, just like the team that you're on at work, the name team you're on at work is a team. Mm-hmm. And when your computer doesn't work and you go to the IT department to get them to fix your computer, that, that becomes a team, right? For mm-hmm. a short period of time. So, Anytime you have a team, and this is fundamental across every team that you could talk about, there's three roles that have to be filled. The role of manager, the role of leader, and the role of follower. And if you don't have someone holding one of those roles, it it doesn't work. And if you have two people, like a husband and wife team, you still have to fulfill the roles of manager, leader, and follower. And what happens is we often pivot between those three roles. So you might have someone that's acting as a manager and then acting as a follower, but ultimately there are responsibilities within those three. What mostly where people get completely screwed up and our language is really kind of messy is that we look at managers as a required evil within a team, right? No one would strive to say that I died the best manager in the world. Uh, They want to, they want to strive to be the best leader in the world, right? Yeah. (laughs) And so I believe that it's actually the opposite. 
that the best leaders in the world are actually the best managers. And we actually get it completely wrong. And the way that I prove it is doing what what you're talking about. So you wrote down two things, two traits. What I'd like you to do is think of one or two, one or both of those leaders. I don't care which one you you pick. Mm -hmm. Uh, What relationship did you have with them? Uh, Uh, Write that down. Okay. Yeah, don't tell me because uh, I'll do a trick at the end and it's like showing you the rabbit out of the hat. Okay. Cool. Write down, then write down uh, one specific action that they took that would have you assess them as a great leader. Like what specifically did they do? And anyone listening to this podcast, do, do it along with us, right? It, it'll make it more, this will make it more meaningful if you follow along with us. So start with, they get the best leader you've ever worked for. What relationship did you have for them? Like, were they your boss or your husband or whatever the, the relationship is? Write down a specific action that they took that would have you assess them as the best leader ever. And the last thing would be in one word, write down the emotion that you felt they made you feel like when you were with them. What did they make you feel? Describe that in one word. Okay, coach, I got it. Got it. So uh, the difference between a leader and a follower is time and situation. And people get this wrong all the time as well. You ask, well, what, what is it? What's the difference between leader and follower? Well, a leader has vision. A leader uh, knows what to do. Yeah, but that's not all the time, right? So you can have a leader that's visionary, but they aren't always visionary, right? They'll sometimes have to uh, follow someone else that has a, a better way to get through something. And so one of the core concepts is that leadership is not a trait. Leadership is dependent or defined by your actions. And we can look at this and see organizations that have a long history of developing leaders, right? Taking someone and making them better at it. You know, for me, it was the Naval Academy, 170 years of a history of taking individuals that are not skilled leaders and making them into very skilled leaders because now they have more effective actions they can take make better choices and therefore be assessed as a leader so understanding that leadership's not like eye color it's not like well i was born with blue eyes therefore uh, i was born as a leader therefore i always lead Uh, it is something that you learn it's something you practice something you gain experience in allowing you to take effective actions which results in other people assessing you as a leader. The example I use is if you're sitting in a room and you got three people in the room, the, the room catches on fire and you know, for you, firefighter, you'd be set, you just get rid of it for us. But uh, room catches on fire and one guy goes to the back of the room and starts banging on the wall with a chair yelling, follow me, I'm gonna put a hole through the wall. The other guy goes to the door, opens the door to the hallway and says, follow me, which one do you follow? Uh, the guy with the door already open. Yeah. The guy that makes the more effective choice may, mm-hmm. takes the better action. You get out there, the guy with the chair follows you, and then he, the first guy runs to the second floor window, breaks the window, and says, hey, we're going to jump out. And the first guy that was banging on the wall comes to the steps, says, oh, the steps are clear. Follow me. Which one do you follow then? Right, right. The, one the guy with the steps, right? Yeah. So whoever has making the best choice is taking the right actions are who you follow. So leadership's all about actions. It's not about a trait. It's not about uh, the way that you were born or the way that even you've been conditioned. When it comes to management, management's all about positional authority. If you have a title, you're a manager, right? I can be the manager of the Starbucks, a title of father, a title of husband, 
brings with it certain obligations of management. And so managers don't have to lead, managers have to manage. And the best managers in the world manage and don't lead. Okay. And that's what this that's what blows people away is you we always think of these visionary leaders as these these big people that sit out in the front and tell us what to do and make us feel like we should follow them. But in reality, those those are managers. And it all depends on what you believe a manager is supposed to do. And what managers are supposed to do, the best managers in the world are supposed to set direction. This is what we're go. This is where we're going. This is what it looks like when we get there. They enable and support their leaders, right? So they make you feel that you're supported, that you have the tools, the resources that you need to take action. And most importantly, they act as a safety net, right? Because if you have this manager that lets you know, okay, this is where we're going. They give you all the tools to get there and set you on your way. They got to make sure that you don't stray off course and hurt yourself or someone else. So they got to be this nice safety net that makes you feel secure that if you screw up, they've got your back. And so if the if the best managers in the world do that, right, they set the direction, they enable that you have the capability to do it. They empower you to lead to that front and they make sure you're going to be safe while you're doing it. They don't have to lead. Right. They step out of the way. They let you lead the way and they follow hmm. the managers that you ever had a manager that's right in the middle of everything you do telling you what to do. No, Micro, don't do it like that. Do it like micromanaging. This. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's leading, right? That's someone saying, hey, here's the best way to do it. Follow me. And we don't like that. We yeah. think that's micromanagers. Leave me, leave me alone. Give me, give me clear direction. Mm. Give me the tools I need. Make sure I don't screw something up. Let me go. And so what we would define and see as leadership, right? Making good choices, taking good actions is actually bad when a manager does it. We, we think managers that do that, we don't like. And the managers that are sitting there giving us clear direction, supporting us, keeping us safe, we think they're amazing leaders. When in reality, they're managing us, they're not leading us because we're the ones leading, right? We're the ones going and taking the action and switching back and forth to follower as, a, as the time and situation dictates. And so management's all about setting direction and giving support, whereas leading is all about taking action and evoking action in others. And so I'll guarantee now this is where I pull the trick. Tell me, uh, what was the leader? Who's the leader you were thinking of? Uh, his name is, his nickname is Booney. He's actually been on this podcast before. Cool. So Booney, what is an, what was your relationship with him? He was, he was a crew member of mine on the fire crew, but then the last two seasons he would, he was my immediate supervisor, one above me. Okay. So he managed you cause he had positional authority, right? Yeah. So he was a manager uh, at least the last couple of years. What's one of the actions that he did on a regular basis? How do you assess him as a leader? Uh, he was always the, you know, if we were working and going to take a lunch break, he was always the last one to sit down to take the lunch. And then he was always the first one back up. What else? Give me other examples. Um, did he make sure you had lunch? Yeah, he was always, I mean, he was, he was, he, he gave his, when he had an extra lunch, he gave it to people that forgot it a couple times. Um, you know, I, he was always just working harder, I guess, if I had to sum it you up. Have to, yeah, keep going deeper than worker, working already. Think of other things. So we are already seeing that he, on a regular basis, enabled and supported you, 
right? Yeah. Enabled you to do your job, supported you in doing it. What else? I would say like if I asked him for like, hey man, like the, you know, my paycheck is late or something, he would say, oh, well here, come into the office and, you know, let's go online and check it out. And we would go through everything and like figure out the problem for, for money things. Um, he would ask everyone, he would treat everyone the same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He treated everyone the same and expected the same out of everybody. And so uh, did, were you always confused as to what you're supposed to do with him? No. Why? So how, why weren't you confused? What did he do to make sure you weren't confused? Um, well, I would say number one, he, he gave clear objectives and whenever he did a briefing, but most importantly, he led by example. Right. And so we are, we already cut, caught two right two of the three enable and support and provide clear direction and i'd imagine with anyone that's listening if you actually did this and wrote it down each every single thing that you wrote down is a a repetitive action of a great of a great leader who we already kind of found is most likely a manager it's one of those three things it's one of the the three things we talked about setting clear direction enabling supporting and making sure that you feel 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 safe and secure. What was the emotion that you put, put down that he had you feel inspired? Yeah. Inspired, right. Empowered, mm-hmm. able to mm-hmm. go forward and kick butt, right. Mm-hmm. Kick ass on whatever you're doing. We, every time that we talk about, we, I do this, the emotions are uh, supported, enabled, empowered, confident, right. Those are the types of things that good managers make us feel because they empower us, they create the situation where we get to lead. We go out and get stuff done. And so what is completely backwards is that we have this mentality because of popular culture, because of the flock, because of marketing, that in order to be a leader, you have to be this, this great charismatic person in the front, always saying, follow me, right, with your, your foot up and your sword out. You know, and that's not reality. The reality is that Lead, leadership is all about taking effective action, learning, right? Learning what to do, getting information, being exposed to it, applying it and evolving it. And real leadership is all about managing well, about creating an environment where those that you're working with feel supported. They feel empowered to take action. They feel safe. And that concept, right, of, okay, what do I do? What do, So what you need to do as a manager is, set clear direction, enable and support and be a safety net. And as a leader, what do you do? Your, your leadership as a leader, it's all about action, right? It's, and management is very selfless, whereas leadership and followership, which is the same thing, right? We, we switch back and forth, but leading all leading fall on time is somewhat selfish, right? So the first thing that leaders need to do is be clear on what I'm supposed to do, right? A hardcore a hardcore follower, a hardcore leader is not going to let their manager task them with something that is unclear. And again, that's because they want to be wrong. They want to take effective action, make sure it's right. They're always going to be consolidating new resources, right? So hardcore followers are always going to be getting better, stronger, smarter, because they want to be ready when their manager tasks them with something to be able to do it. Good leaders are always going to over-report progress. What I mean by that is as a manager, I never want my leaders to not have me clear on what they're doing, when they're doing it, where they are. And the really hardcore leaders do it so they can be left alone, right? If I'm perfectly clear on where you are, I'm not going to bother you. And the last one, and I think this is by far the most important thing that you can do as a leader is to ask for help. 
right? We don't look at asking for help as a powerful action, but ultimately the best way to modify someone's behavior, which is what leadership is all about modifying the choices someone makes. It's all about the most powerful way to modify someone's behavior is asking for help. So how have you, when have you ever had someone come to you and sincerely needed your help, you've had the capability and the capacity to help them. You help them and you think of them as being stupid, useless, or a waste of space when they sincerely came to you needing your help. No, never. Right. So have you ever not asked for help because you were worried that someone's going to think of you as stupid, useless, or a waste of space? Yep. Yeah. So think of how backwards that is. (laughs) We do it all the time, right? We don't want to ask for help because we think someone's going to think we're we, we aren't powerful. We, we can't influence change. And so we stu- suffer by ourselves. Yet whenever someone asks us for help, we do it. Here's the next question. And this is how I really changed my whole mentality around helping and asking for help uh, around. Have you ever had someone sincerely come and ask you for help? You had capacity and capability, help them and felt like crap after. No, I feel great. You feel great. So I think of it this way. Every time I need to ask someone for help, I'm giving them a little gift, right? I'm actually going to make their day better if I sincerely ask from them for help and they help me. All of a sudden, my mindset shifted 180. I started thinking, you know what? I'm going to help 10 people. I'm going to make 10 people's day today. I'm going to ask 10 people for help. Yeah, no, that's entirely true. In fact, I just had someone about two months ago ask me, they're like, oh, Alex, I see you're doing a lot with your podcast. Looks like it's, you know, it's getting pretty successful. I'm looking to set mine up. You know, do you have any tips? And I was like, yeah, I do. Like, I mean, I was sitting there like typing away paragraphs to this girl. Like, call me if you need any, call me if you need more tips. Like, so excited that somebody, I mean, it's a massive compliment when someone asks you for, for help. Yeah, totally. And so, as a leader, one of the best things you can do to modify someone's behavior, which is what leadership is, leadership's all about creating an environment where people make the right choices, because I can't make anyone do anything. All I can do is influence their choices. Mm-hmm. So my job as a leader is to help them make the right choices. One of the easiest ways is to ask for help. God, yeah. And it is amazing. It's just, I mean, you, basically your ego gets in the way, no? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it completely gets in the way. And big egos will cause you to be crappy leaders, right? Because if you have a big ego, are you going to be the type of person to sit back and and watch as someone as someone fails and learns? Or are you going to sit there with this big ego and you see them make a mistake and not jump right in, tell them they made a mistake and show them how to do it? Right. Exactly. Right. And that's, again, bad leadership. Right. That's stuff we don't like to do. So tell me, if I start a new job next week, and for everyone listening, you know, starting a new job, they're starting a new, you know, they just had a kid, whatever it is where they're thrust into this position, what is something that I can do, um, one kind of actionable piece of advice um, to work on my leadership skills or to get in that yeah, mindset? So- that's kind I'm of a, glad, I know it's kind of a weird question, but no, no, question. I'm glad this is perfect. Absolutely. One of the best questions you could ask. So I want to, I want to uh, give you a couple things. So somewhere we need to post a link, mm-hmm. uh, cause I'll post a link to a PDF that I want anyone to download. They can. So this is a list of four, what I, what I call hardcore leaders, hardcore lead followers. Cause me, it's leading and following, but 
four actions of a, of a hardcore leader. And what you need to do is print out this little PDF, laminate it, put it on your desk, and every day pick one of these four things to do and consciously do them. And I'll tell you what the list is in a second. If you do this, and this is what's crazy, I, I title this the, the four actions of a hardcore follower because this is the type of follower that I want as a manager. And what's interesting is if you do these things, you're going to be seen as a leader, right? Okay. That's where our language gets all screwy, right? When, we, when we're a kick-ass follower, we're actually seen as a leader. When we're a kick-ass manager, we're seen as a leader. Being a kick-ass follower and a kick-ass manager are two completely different ways of being, yet we'll say the same thing. Huh. That's where our language gets all screwy. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally, yeah. So here's the four actions. The first action is be clear on the desired end state. And so what I mean by desired end state is not be clear on the objective or be clear on the goal. Be clear on what environment exists when we successfully achieve the objective or goal, right? So what that gives you is the intent behind direction. Uh, a not hardcore follower, someone will say, uh, go sweep the floor and they go sweep the floor, right? They have no, re no idea why they're sweeping the floor. They just know sweep the floor. If you know the intent of why we're sweeping the floor, because there's going to be a wedding here, you would know, oh, well, then we need all the chairs, mm. right? You'd be able to take more and better actions if you understand why we're doing something as opposed to just doing it. So a hardcore follower won't let one of their managers or one of their leaders task them with something without having expressed clarity on what situation exists in the future when I'm successful. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Second thing is consolidate new resources. So a hardcore follower will on a regular basis always be looking to get more resources. So physical resources, more knowledge, more information, and more authority, more ability to make decisions. Because a hardcore follower never wants to be tasked to do something and not have the power to do it, right? To, to be tasked to say, go do this and be like, oh, well, I, I, I don't know how, or I need this tool, or I don't, I don't have the authority to do that. Right. And so hardcore followers are always in the practice of collecting those things as much as possible all the time. Uh, the next thing is over report progress. So my goal when I'm managed, anytime I'm in a position where I have to follow, I want my manager to tell me to stop telling them what I'm doing, that I'm telling them too much. And the reason I'm doing this is I'm selfish. If you know every step I'm taking, I can't take a wrong step, right? If I end up in the wrong spot, it's your fault, not mine. Mm -hmm. And so I'm always going to give them more information than, than they want. And I want them to say, you know what, you can stop, you know, just, just send one email a week, not one a day. And the last one and that most important one is ask for help. Don't let your ego get in the way because you're, you're going to make your manager, you're going to make your leaders feel good every time that you sincerely ask them for help. And the key word here is sincerely. Mm -hmm. If you're asking for help to get out of something, they're going to know it. Us human beings can tell right away if someone is sincere about ask for help or if they're just lazy. Yeah. So those four things, if you pick one of those four things, be clear on the desired end state, consolidate new resources, over report progress and ask for help. If you if you specifically pick one of those four things to do every day in your new job, 
you will rocket to the top. Because if you think of it, if everyone else, so you got 10 people, nine of those people never know what they're supposed to do, right? They'll do something, but they don't really know why they're supposed to do it. They never have the resources to do stuff. So they're always like, oh, I can't do that because I don't know how to, or I don't have the right tool, or I don't, I can't do it. My, I get to get approval from someone to do it. You got another one where you, you never know where they are. You don't know if they're finished with a job, if they, they got stuck. And you know their ego's too big to ever ask for help. They'll get in all sorts of trouble as opposed to ask for help. And you got one person that's always clear on what they're supposed to do, always has the resources. Always, you always know what they're up to. And you know if they get in any sort of pinch, they're going to ask for help. That one person's the leader. That right. one person is always going to lead because they're going to mo- make the most effective choices, take the most effective actions. God, yeah, there's that is so much good information. I'm going to post that PDF on the show notes uh, for this episode. Um, I really like that. I mean, really, I mean, if you if you break it down, you know, it's just if you just yeah get let the ego get out of the way, it's so much easier for those four practices to really just come into place. It, that the ego will will stop every single one of them. It'll <laughs> stop. I don't need to. I don't need to get better. I'm good enough. Right. Uh, I know, yeah, I'll, I'll accomplish whatever they say, regardless of knowing it, what the intent is behind it. Uh, I don't need to tell them what to do because they should know. I'm not going to ask for help. Right. All of those things. Sorry about that. All of those things are are caused by bad egos or big egos. How much, um, kind of a couple more questions here. Um, how much did your ego get breaking, broken down when you initially... Like did you know? Was it from like a level eight to a level four by the time you left the the buds training? What's uh? How did that work? I've never had someone ask me that before. If anything, I think my ego got bigger because I accomplished so much more than I thought I could. Mm. And, it, and no, actually, no, my confidence got bigger. My ego. So the to me, the difference between confidence and ego, uh, confidence is. Uh, the likelihood of being able to complete a specific objective, right? Mm-hmm. So I have high confidence when I know I can do something. I have low confidence when I'm not sure if I can do something. Ego is having high confidence with skill that doesn't match, right? Being consistently unable to do something that I think I can do. So I would say that my confidence went way up. Uh, and yeah, my ego got got stomped on. I mean, down to the ground because the you show any form of ego, the instructors are gonna they get attracted to that like crack. I mean, it's bad because yeah, ego is gonna kill someone. And with our jobs, you make a wrong choice, someone dies, and that someone could be you, but it's most likely gonna be someone else. Mm-hmm. And so. The instructors don't aren't going to let that through for the very important reason that the instructors are going to you're sending these trainees to go be in your workforce directly working with you. So if you let someone through that isn't going to be a good seal, has too big of an ego, they could kill very well could kill you or your best friend. I mean, especially as an officer going through as an officer. I was going to be in charge of my instructors when I got out. One of my, I read that in your thing you sent me. Yeah. Yeah. One of my main guys, uh, Brian Grogan, he, he put me through training for years and he was in my platoon two years after I graduated. So I was directly in charge of him two years after 
he put me through training. Imagine if everyone's had a bad, bad leader or bad manager. Everyone's worked for someone that's horrible. Imagine if you had the opportunity to put that person through six months of the world's most difficult military training. How much focus would you put on them to ensure they either became a good manager or they were out of training? And that's what the instructors get to do at BUDS. They get to put and look at all of their future bosses and form them into good leaders or get rid of them. That's insane. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember reading that and thinking that that was, that that was crazy. That's the way it works. Yeah, it's the, uh, it works really well, right? right? Because the instructors have very, uh, personalized interests to make Mm -hmm. sure that only the best product goes out. It's like that they're bomb sniffing dogs for egos, you know, (laughs) (laughs) for Yeah. For egos, for liars, for lazy people, for uh, people that are going to quit, right? All of those negative personality traits are what they're looking for. And, and the training is designed to expose them, right? Right. If you have a short temper, you're not going to make it. You won't make it out of the first day without blowing up. And if you blow up towards one of the instructors, another classmate, that's going to be seen and that's going to be focused on until they're insured that you're not going to do it again or you're gone. That's fascinating, man. I mean, when you think about it, that they are, yeah, that they are just trying to like draw out your demons or see which ones you're willing to, to showcase so that you can't control, um, and then getting rid of you. Yeah. That's fascinating that they're just, I mean, it's like, cause when you look at a dog that's looking around, it's smelling for a particular smell, but the instructors are trying to smell a particular like virus that you have in your mind, you know, whether that's yep. the weakness you're weakness. talking about or yeah, something like that. And they're just like, they're like these sorcerers, like trying to conjure it up by putting you through these difficult tests. Yeah. It's two things, right? So two things kind of get triggered when you say it. the first thing is that, uh, they are like a pack of sharks. Okay. Right. As soon as there's just, you know, someone will do something, right? Someone will have this, this, this week, uh, this show of ego say, right. And an instructor just zeroes in on it like the dog and starts barking, you know, yelling at him, whatever it is, push-ups. There'll be five more instructors within a second. It's a feeding frenzy, right? Just one after the another. They they definitely attract the other ones when it goes bad. Uh, the other thing is is one of the key, not one of the key thing that enables someone to get through SEAL training is the ability to self-regulate, the ability to regulate their emotions, uh, their me- mentality. Uh, as well as their physical. And I spent years trying to learn how that all worked, the neuroscience behind it. It's it's amazingly interesting. And what's really cool is the same part of the brain controls mental, physical, and emotional self-regulation. There's two parts. One, uh, the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex. So it's the sides of the front of the brain. And the ACC, so anterior cruciate cortex, which is down in the amygdala, the the deep part of the brain, those two parts of the brain control all self-regulation from uh, not eating cupcakes when you're trying to lose weight to doing an extra set of legs on leg day to being able to focus on one task and pick the right answer. Uh, All those things are controlled by the same part of the brain, which is cool because on one hand, they stack, meaning if I practice a lot of physical self-regulation, I'm able to show a lot of emotional self-regulation. They go together. But on the same part, they're they're pulling from the same well of energy, right? You only have so much, uh, so a certain level of neural connections in those two parts of the brain, and eventually you run out. So say you've had a really hard day physically and emotionally, 
And now it's time to focus on something. You can't do it, mm. right? You've used it up. And they've actually found that there's a, a, a measurable physical cost to mental and physical self-regulation. They, they took these rugby players, college rugby players, big hardcore guys, put them on an exercise bike and had them produce as much power as possible. So they produced, uh, say it was X many watts. And then they let them rest for two weeks, brought them back in, did a test called the Stroop test, which is a mental test where there's colors. Uh, it'll be the color brown and the letters will be green. So their task was to read the color and say what color the letters were. So they would look at it, read brown and have to pause and say green because your brain wants to say brown. And they did that for uh, it was like five minutes. Then they put them back on the bikes and they produced 25% less power. Oh, so man. physically, not an ounce of energy was taken away from them, but because the the self-regulation parts of their brain were were you were used up by that mental test, they actually produce less physical power. And so if if you translate that to buds, the guy that's sitting there running on the beach next to me, and he's worrying about he's not going to pass the next test. He knows he's not going to pass the next test. He's worried about the instructors that are going to yell at him at the end of this run. He's really worried about what his friends and family are going to think when he quits. And I'm sitting there completely mind blank, just running. He's going to run 25% slower than me. He's going to have 25% less power than me. And we saw it all the time. The guys that, that had, were worrying about, am I going to quit or not? They would quit. And the guys like me, where it was, I'm either going to die or I'm going to make it through, right? It's one or the other. There's nothing anyone or anything can do. I didn't, I never had to worry about it. I was never on a run worrying about what my parents would think if I quit. I was never worrying about should I quit or should I stay? All I was doing was worrying about running. And I finally figured out with that understanding of neuroscience why that works. And so the good part about that is, as a listener is start testing it, right? You got test your physical, test your mental, test your emotional, because it's going to help all three. And the other one is understand that if you've worn down one, that's going to lower the other two as well. So you that's where, like you said about, do I beat myself up over not doing my morning work? Well, if I was up till three the, the last night working, I only got a couple hours of sleep because the baby was crying. I'm not going to feel bad about not writing my morning pages because I know that I didn't have the self-regulation left, right? It's gone. It's used up and that's okay. Yeah. And I think that's where the meditation helps a lot too. Is so you're not doing the, uh, you know, the, the, the mouse wheel in your head, yep. you know, over I think over. it resets it, right. It yeah. kind of, it kind of resets the resets the clock allowing you to start over. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. God, that's fantastic, man. Well, I appreciate all this information, man. This is this has been great. Um, where can people find you, Larry? Can, can you tell people like you know where your Sealed Mindset website and everything? Because it's got a lot of good stuff on there. Yeah, definitely. I also I set up a free lesson for all your your listeners. We oh, got awesome. a, a a full hour of of content for forum. Oh, badass. Okay, cool. So you are you gonna send that over to me, and I can put it on my website, and I can link it to yours. Yeah, I'll, I'll make sure you get the link. So I set up a link for for you you specifically, and this will be the best place for people to go because they can go uh, check out the lesson, see what they think, and then from there they can link to anything else. So it's SM Leaders, so Sierra Mike Leaders dot com forward slash star. Ooh, that's nice, man. Like you know that? How, you yeah, know your own page guy, on the website you know, just for you. Know you know how to make a guy feel special. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. All right. SMleaders.com slash star. And then I'll link um, 
uh, your PDF and everything on my site too. So we'll put it all on there. Um, yeah, I'll send that to you as soon as we're off. Cool. This has been fantastic, man. Stick around for one minute, but uh, we'll go ahead and end the podcast there. It was my pleasure. All right. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Next week, I'm going to be having the most positive guy I've ever met. 25-year-old CEO, Willie, is coming on. Uh, awesome podcast. Super positive. Um, he's out there hustling and grinding, so it's cool to talk to people like that. So that'll be next week. And check out smleaders.com slash star. Uh, Larry's got a cool little webinar and like video series up there um, about effective leadership and kind of bringing out the best of yourself um, for all of my listeners. So that's at smleaders.com slash star with two R's. And so make sure and check that out, and I will catch you guys next week. Much love as always. Toodles. See you later. Bye.